Tommy Learfield. On the Gopher Sports Network, from Joe Sensor Sports Theater, welcome to Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck. Brought to you by St. Jude Medical Foundation, empowering communities through local partnership. Welcome to Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck. Here's the voice of the Gophers, Mike Grimm. As always, along with Mark Rosen from Channel 4 and the head coach, P.J. Fleck, welcome to Roseville. We are at Sensors in Roseville for our show every week here on the Gopher Radio Network. It was a bye week last week. Uh, the Gophers were able to get a little rest and relaxation, although they were busy throughout the week as well. They caught a little football over the weekend uh, in person. We'll talk about that. And coming up this weekend, it's Maryland in town to open Big Ten play. Uh, it's an 11 o'clock kickoff at TCF Bank Stadium. We on the network will take it at 10 and then locally here at 9 a.m. Coach, how was uh, good to see you, first of all, and how was your bye week? Great to see all of you. Uh, yeah, bye week was elite. Got a lot of work done. Hit the recruiting trail, which I'm sure a lot of you found out and know. Um, <laughs> but we've got a lot of work to do, and we were able to clean up a lot of fundamentals and details. You know, Tuesday we were able to kind of go back one hour practice of fundamentals. Wednesday we did uh, a little bit more Minnesota versus Minnesota. Then Thursday we were able to get to uh, get on to Maryland a little bit and then get a little rest for our players and the coaches hit the recruiting trail. And here we're back at it for a Tuesday practice uh, and red sensors. We're having a lead time. I don't know where to start. We got helicopter rides to talk about. We got uh, recruiting. We got the Maryland game. You were at U.S. Bank on, on Sunday. Let's just start with that. What was that experience like? Oh, that you? was amazing. Yeah, I mean, they, I saw you out there with some. I am spoiled. I will say that. Yeah, yeah, I am okay. very spoiled. And my wife made sure I, I realized that, you know, when you kind of get a chance to do all these things as, as a head coach, you can look at it two ways. But, oh, I have to go do that. Or with our kids, that's why they were there. I'm like, Dad gets to go, go blow this huge horn, and our kids are looking like, Dad, you get to blow that thing? You know, why don't you let us do that? Because you have a lot of hot air. Yeah, yeah, that's You've what a lot of people that. say. That's what a lot of people say. But okay. no, that was that was definitely not it. I don't, I don't like that joke. Yeah, that, that's a low that's, blow. I like that. of blowing the horn. Right off the bat, I didn't like yeah, that no. joke. Oh, and three, I like that joke. Three and oh, I don't like that. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's not good. Well, but you guys did go to the Vikings game. You took uh, not only your family, but uh, was it the whole team or just some of the players? Oh, the whole team. Yeah, we took the whole team there. And, you know, that's part of us uh, uh, creating vision for our players. If they want to play in the National Football League, you need to see the National Football League. And not from what you just see on TV. You got to go experience a game day. You know, 75% of our players have never been to an NFL game. So when you talk about if you want to accomplish that, you got to go to it live. Not only live, but now you're going to sit in seats that are on the upper decks. You know, the cheap right, seats, right, first of all. Right. right? Put them in the cheap seats. Make sure they know where those are. Yep. Um, and uh, you're not just going to be right there down on the 50. You got to go earn it. So you're going to go up there. But you're also going to be able to watch from a fan's perspective of maybe why people say what they say, and they can see all that. So there was a lot of reasons why we did what we did. And is, does it help when you look at you look at the Vikings roster, and uh, whether it's an Adam Thielen from here, uh, a lot of these guys are not high draft picks and overachieved, and, and that's the message that you've been giving to your team since day one about not just overachieving, but understanding that you, you can find your place, no matter if it's in business or in the National Football League. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the biggest part is when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, the one thing that really impresses me, not only just with their team, but their organization, you know, uh, the Kevin Warrens of the world, the Coach Zimmers, is, is how they work, how hard they work. Uh, their how is very, very, very clear to me. And you watch those group of wideouts play, 
They're talented. You watch Case Keenum go back there and throw the football a little bit. You know, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the strongest guy. Highest draft pick ever, no. right? But he goes out there and won a football game and put the ball where it needed to be, stood in the pocket. He's tough. And that defense flew around and made plays. So, uh, again, that's what we wanted them to see. How you play can, trans mm -hmm. can transform into the National Football League as well. So don't lose yourself and continue to be real and uh, be the real you you can be. Can you show uh, prospective student-athletes the idea, too, that, hey, I mean, let's face it, and you come to school at Minnesota, you can go watch a Vikings game, you know, six minutes from campus or in the winter a Timberwolves game or a Wild game. I mean, they don't, I mean, Iowa City doesn't have that, Lincoln doesn't have that, Madison, Columbia, Missouri, none of those places have those kind of opportunities on just, you know, jump in a car and there you are. You know, the opportunities are endless here in the Twin Cities. We're talking about just not even, let's talk the sports teams aside. We'll get back to that. The 18 Fortune 500 companies that were within five miles of our campus headquarters, right? In terms of all those CEOs, CFOs, COOs, people that come to practice to watch. These are, you know, it might kind of like the USC of celebrities, yeah. right? Uh, of like, uh, of movie stars. We're like that in the business world. So they get that aspect. Plus, now all of a sudden you got all these sports teams and, one thing I want to make sure that I'm going to do everything I can in my tenure here to make sure this happens. Connect all of our sports, collegiately and pro, right? This is, we're not competing against each other to mm -hmm. get fans. Mm -hmm. We should be competing with each other to help each other to make sure that wild fans are gopher fans, twins fans are Vikings fans, Viking fans are gopher fans. And I'm going to do everything I can to do that. You know, Coach Molitor and I have talked to numerous times uh, on the phone. And, and if Coach Molitor talks about the gophers, which he should, he's an alum. Yep. But those people that love Coach Mowder and the Twins are going to be Gopher fans. If I talk about Coach Thibodeau and I start talking about the Timberwolves, then our Gopher fans could be Timberwolf fans as well. So we have to connect with each other instead of against. And uh, I hope to continue to do that with everybody as we keep going forward because it is unique to have here in the Twin Cities. Did it take more wind than you thought to, uh, to, to blow the horn? A lot more wind. You have to blow that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time. Uh, it is. There's a little red light to tell you, keep blowing. I'm like, I'm, I don't have anything left. I'm hyperventilating here. All that hot uh, air, there was nothing left. No, nothing left. Um, you talked about the recruiting. I know you can't get real specific, but, uh, you know, our, our TV cameras picked it up. Others did as well. You arrived a couple different places by helicopter. What's the purpose behind it and, and sort of the impact you want to make? And the kids sure love it. Yeah, the biggest thing is I think everybody has to kind of take a step back and just and listen to me on this part. I know people think maybe we should do something, shouldn't do something. No offense to everybody here, including my family. My demographic to attract is 17 to 21-year-old kids. And sometimes people don't necessarily get it or they don't get me or they don't get why I'm doing it. But do you know who does get us? 17 to 20-year-old kids. That, that's who gets us. And that's who we need to play. I can't play. You can't play. Right? My wife can't play. We all have to do things designated to those the, the millennial generation. So for us, it was not about show. It's about efficiency. Friday night in the Twin Cities, going from one school to the other in traffic. I got to get to both. I got to interact with fans. I got to get an evaluation. We've got to make sure we get to where we need to get to. And you got to do that within about a two and a half hour span. And mm -hmm. the only way to do it effectively is that helicopter. And I just appreciate everybody who's continued to co contribute uh, to our elite fund. And uh, those are the, where the resources continue to come out of, of private funds. So uh, I appreciate that very much. I, I know you can't talk specifics in terms of, of, of who you were watching and what have in terms of those things, but um, it looked well, like... I wish I could. No, I, <laughs> and, and it looks like um, from everybody's some of the, uh, the social media stuff, um, you were having fun not just with the folks that uh, directly 
directly uh, are involved with those young men, but uh, uh, classmates, you were taking pictures with high school kids, and uh, it, it, you were you know, obviously uh, having an impact there. Well, the biggest thing is that's that's why I'm the head football coach uh, at Minnesota is because it's the only Division One program, football program in the state of Minnesota. We're your team, right? So everybody that we come in contact with, except a few, <laughs> once in a while there's a, there's a fan to the neighbor uh, to our east, uh, once in a while. But other than that, everybody loves the Gophers. And what we have to do is attract the next generation, not just who we're recruiting. I'm talking about your children. I'm talking about the seven, eight-year-old kids you bring to high school games. I want to make sure they see me and get a chance to meet me because we want them starting to come to our camps at a young age. So, again, eventually, if you're born in the state of Minnesota, it's a no-brainer when you get an offer from Minnesota. No matter who you get an offer from, you're coming to the Gophers, and that's what we need to be able to create. We have some shining examples already at Minnesota. Tyler John Johnson's up, obviously, from Minnesota City School, uh, steps up forward. But gauging the temperature of where we are, um, the development of our high school football players and, and, and your connection with the coaches already, what do, what do you take away from that? Well, first of all, I know this. Our high school football coaches care so much about the state of Minnesota. They care so much about the game of football. But more importantly, what I'm finding out is they care so much about the kids. And look at our world today. Now look at the college basketball world today, right? When you start talking about doing the right things and not doing the right things, one thing I love about the state of Minnesota and our coaches, they're going to do the right thing. And they want to send their kids to, to a place that does the right thing. And I think that's a direct reflection of all of our high school coaches in the state of Minnesota. And I'm just honored to be their head football coach. The uh, bye week allowed you, as you mentioned, to get uh, out. You did some recruiting. You flew in a helicopter. You mentioned that uh, you had some fundamental practices and then got going. Um, you did the Vikings game. Um, what uh, health-wise, uh, coming out of the bye week, did it hit at the right time for you guys? You know, I've been a head coach five years now, and I've never said the bye week hadn't hit at the right time yet. <laughs> right? It just happens to always hit at the right time, and we needed it to to get a lot of guys healthy. Now, the issue with that now is we've got a nine-week sprint right from start to finish through big 10 play with no break uh, but what we have to be able to do is now we have to adjust how we practice and that's what we're going to continue to do we're going to practice we're going to practice hard but i think the time frame is going to be cut down a little bit a lot of our reps are going to be cut down a little bit and now we got to be able to trust our players to be mature enough to handle that as we go forward but it came at a perfect time this is your first big 10 game this is what you've been thinking about this is this is it when you run out of the tunnel you've had your non-conference games but this is big time now. What, what are your thoughts about just uh, your own emotions for this, this Saturday? Well, game one was big time for me, too. Well, I'm sure it was, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, I, I know you're what you on mean. the clock now. Well, well, everybody's on the clock, you know, and I even thought, you know, Coach Riley said it best. You're always coaching for your job, you know, and, and when you take a job that has to do with 17 to 22-year-old young people and you got to win with those people and there's such high expectations no matter where you go in the country, you're always coaching for your job and there's always pressure, but that's why I'm a coach. There's a lot of people that go through their life who never experience the feeling of pressure, expectation. It's a privilege to feel that. So for all the pressure people put on myself, our team, our coaching staff, there's nobody that's going to put more pressure on myself or our team or our staff than me. Right? And uh, that's what we want to be able to create. The pressure's healthy. But we're very excited about Big Ten play. Uh, I'm really excited about it because, you know, I grew up in Big Ten country. 
I've played against Big Ten teams, beat Big Ten teams before as a head coach. But now to be in the race with everybody uh, and not just do it for non-conference, but be in the hunt in the best conference of college football, I'm really excited about it. I know our players are, too, to kick off the, the Big Ten season of 2017. Yeah, and you get to open up with that team that when you think the Big Ten, you think Maryland, right? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, but that is the opener. Obviously, they're one of the newcomers on the block. Uh, we'll get more into Maryland here in a moment, but uh, it was announced here within the last hour that their quarterback, who was already their second-string quarterback, he got hurt last week. They've confirmed it's an ACL. He's done. So they're now on their third quarterback. You know a little bit about that because uh, you've had a few uh, guys get banged up as well. But uh, QB number three, uh, last week, or I guess two weeks ago, now Middle Tennessee, you were preparing, not sure who the quarterback would be. Um, at least now I think you have an idea, but they're probably going to throw a few different looks at you, I would think. Yeah, there's a few things I'll say on that is that quarterback number three has a mom and dad, right? Uh, he played high school football. He was very successful. He's at a Big Ten institution to play quarterback. He's by far good enough to be able to win in the Big Ten. Uh, the second thing is we always talk about as people go down the depth chart. Well, everybody understands Tom Brady now was a backup. And yeah. then Drew Bledsoe got hurt, and then Tom got an opportunity. And he's only the greatest quarterback of all time. He was even a backup at Michigan. No. Correct. Oh, yeah. So when you start talking about that, the one thing I think Maryland's got a great problem is they have a ton of talent. That PG County, that Washington, D.C. area is loaded with players. Uh, that's why you see a lot of FCS schools in the Northeast around that area have a ton of success. They get not the leftovers, but they do be able to get some really high-profile players at really D1A. Well, Maryland has kicked butt in recruiting. I mean, DJ Durkin's doing a great job. And, again, they have four playmakers that aren't hurt. I know that. And they're going to find creative ways to make sure they're involved. And it's different that the quarterback didn't get hurt in our game and then the guy kind of got thrown in there. They got a whole week to prepare everybody, a whole week uh, to really see how they're going to make this all fit. I know they're going to come into TCF Bank Stadium ready to go. We will uh, take a deep dive into uh, the uh, further look at the game regarding the Gophers' health and what the depth chart looks like and the Maryland depth chart and all of that. That's all straight ahead. It's an 11 o'clock kickoff. We take air on the network at 10 on Saturday. Locally here, we take air at 9. Gopher fans want to remind you, you can visit the University of Minnesota Bookstore and discover the area's largest selection of U of M and Golden Gopher apparel and novelties for fans of all ages. From the latest fashions to traditional favorites, it's the University of Minnesota Bookstore, your one-stop shop. Visit online, bookstores.umn.edu. This is Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck from Learfield. Escape to the country. Welcome back. It's Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck, Mike Grimm, and Mark Rosen with you. We are at Sensors in Roseville. Gopher fans, uh, we want to remind you, you can tweet your questions to us for Coach Fleck on the Subway Fresh Take Hotline. Hashtag it, Gopher Radio, Subway Eat Fresh. We'll get to some of those tweets in the second half of the show. Minnesota will host Maryland coming off. Uh, Minnesota is coming off of the bye week. Maryland coming off of a setback at home to Central Florida. Uh, a team that has been playing pretty good football in recent years, and that final was 38-10. to 10. It's an 11 o'clock kickoff at TCF Bank Stadium. We talked, uh, just uh, dipped our toe a little bit into uh, that matchup. Uh, Depth-wise, uh, injury-wise, uh, your top two running backs uh, played in none or just some of the game against Middle Tennessee. Can you give us an update on both Shannon Brooks and Rodney Smith? Yeah, first of all, I'll say Cobra McCreary and uh, Femi Cole, I thought they really stepped in and did a tremendous job with the absence of our, our two uh, best backs that we have but they're both back they're all healthy and uh, they'll be ready to go had a great day of practice um, but again it couldn't come at a better time because if we would have played this past weekend they probably would have been held out another week so uh, it came at a perfect time 
Were you surprised with McCrary? I know you watch him in practice, but you never know for sure what a guy is in a game. I mean, he was he was a load. He is a load. And, and one thing I'll say is I've never really got a chance to really watch him a lot. So it was fun for me because it wasn't necessarily he can do it or can't do it. He has to do it. <laughs> so let's see what he does when he's out there. As you get into the grind of this Big Ten season, uh, certain elements of the game are going to stand out. And one the one constant you want to see, of course, is the improvement of that offensive line. You've seen some big strides, kind of an unknown. You had a lot of injuries coming in, a lot of inexperience. What is your assessment so far of the offensive line? Well, I think we're getting better. We're developing. I don't think we're anywhere near we, where we can be uh, and where we will be later on. But I think Ed Warner's done a tremendous job of, of developing the players he's had. Remember, we only had four during spring right and that's almost impossible to do and then you get in training camp and you get a few banged up and then all of a sudden you're just you wait till you get to the game and that's the first time they've actually really played collectively together was our first game so i think they're getting better i think they're able to to see what they do well and not well in the first three games and i think they're growing really well in terms of getting the fundamentals and details a lot better uh but i like where we're at i, I uh, i'm still really you know as a head coach you get paid to to pay to worry and uh, and I, I worry a lot because we don't have a lot behind that. We've got to do a great job in the 18 class and 19 class to bring a lot of linemen here to create a lot of depth, which we don't have right now. And um, that's part of why coaches fly in helicopters to add to that kind of depth, right? You got it. <laughs> a big depth. Yes, big depth you need. Uh, speaking of depth up front, uh, uh, Jared Weiler had been your starting center for the first two weeks. He got banged up at Oregon State. Uh, he sat out against uh, Middle Tennessee. What's uh, How about him? Yeah, we'll see. We haven't made a final decision whether he'll play or not. Uh, did an individual today, so we'll see how it goes on, on tomorrow and then Thursday and Friday, see how he feels. Um, but, again, I, I want him to be feeling really good if you were, we're going to play him. But today he felt really good, looked really good, but we kept him in Indy. So hopefully tomorrow he's uh, feeling a lot better and ready to go. You know what your team is capable of doing is you, you play to your strengths. The running game has been the uh, the strong suit offensively. Haven't had to throw the ball a lot. But when you do throw it, are there opportunities? You know, we've seen you watched Alvin Cook the other the other day. Is Rodney Smith, uh, There's a, not just the skill set, but does your offensive scheme allow him to Catch the ball out of the backfield at times. Will that happen down the road? Well, the biggest challenge for, for coaches is as you continue to go through a 12 or 13 or 14 game season, it's, you know, you've got to do a lot of the same things, but get the ball into the playmakers, but not do the same things for everybody else to look at. You got to, you got to smoke and mirrors it. You got to formation it up. Mm -hmm. You got to personnel groupings it up. You've got to make sure you switch all those things. Our systems, our system, especially in year one, we're going to do everything we can that our players can do. And as we continue to grow, we're going to take our weaknesses to make them our strengths and strengths to make them our instincts. But that takes a lot of time to be able to develop that. We don't have a lot of time. we got to go. So we do have some playmakers on offense. We have identified that. There's about three or four or five playmakers. We need to get the ball in their hands. And for us, we've got to find creative ways of doing that without getting outside our system, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Because if you're going to take a square peg and jam it into a round hole, I mean, that's why it won't fit. You know, you're just going to look like dumb coaches. And uh, one thing about our staff, they're very smart. We've been through things like this before. We've been through lack of depth. We've been through different things in terms of maybe not matching all the type of personnel to exactly what your scheme is. But you've got to adjust to that. You know, we knew exactly what we had when we took this job. And uh, we couldn't wait to get here. The defense is ranked number one now in the country through its three games in scoring defense, fewest points allowed per game, and rushing defense, fewest yards per game uh, on the ground. Um, one, does that surprise you at all? I mean, you knew you had some talented returners, and that was maybe the more experienced side of the football. And two, uh, can you keep it up? 
Well, <laughs> can we keep it up? It's a million-dollar question, right? Uh, but I will say this, is that I'm really proud of Rob Smith and our defense. I'm not here to be a statistician and say, oh, our goal was to be number one. That, that, that's not what we're here to talk about. But what I will say is that I love how they play. I love the importance of... Uh, of making sure we do all the right things and the importance of getting better on defense. I love what I'm seeing out of the leadership of our defense, and I love what I'm seeing from the discipline of our football team. Uh, the reason why we are 3-0 and is because of the ball. Right? We are plus four in the turnover margin. Mm -hmm. uh, to get any, and, and we're 3-0. and To give you a little bit of comparison, when I was at Western Michigan year one, we were 1-11, and but we were minus 17 in the turnover margin. Uh, there's nothing by coincidence. So we have to keep playing that way, but not just that way. We have to play better. There's so many things we can do better. And I know Rob Smith didn't come here to be a statistician either. He came to influence lives, make the best people we can, best players they can be, and continue to get better every single day. That's what we love as coaches. We have so much to get better at on defense, and uh, I know our players understand that. There's a lot of pride up front, and that's where it starts with Steven Richardson and that group and Carter Coughlin. But, you know, the back end is doing awfully well, too, with Antron Winfield Jr. and Jacob Huff, who have had a lot of success. And they seem to be feeding off each other right now and waiting for that opportunity, which they take advantage of when the ball's there. Yeah, I think one of the major contributors to our success this year is the ability to stay healthy because we are not deep in the secondary. We're not deep at the D-line. Uh, we are deep at the linebacker position. But other than that, we're not deep at any other positions, right? Uh, so what we have to be able to do is make sure we keep our players healthy, but also put them in the positions to be successful the best we possibly can. Our back end is coming up with some big plays. Uh, Jacob Huff didn't play at all last year, really. And here's a guy that does all the right things. Again, I'll say it again, does all the right things. And all of a sudden, he's this big playmaker. There's nothing by coincidence. He does all the right things off the field, and he's going to do all the right things on the field. And there's better athletes than Jacob Huff. There's faster players than Jacob Huff. But nobody cares more than Jacob Huff. That's why you're seeing the result that he has. Same with Antoine Winfield and so on and so forth. You mentioned the plus four in turnovers, and that was a big turnover. It's 13-3 against Middle Tennessee at that point. They're trying to get into plus territory. Who knows? Maybe they get a field goal. Maybe they get a touchdown. But 13-6 or 13-10 right before half is a lot different than 20-3. And it maybe was the play of the game to change the whole complexion. Oh, no question. I mean, that was a, that was a dagger, to be honest with you. That just takes all the momentum away from somebody. Um, just to be able to not only intercept it, but finish it, you know, finish it for a touchdown really makes a difference. So uh, I know that's not going to happen every play, but we need to expect those types of things to happen all the time. How do you expect those things? You practice expecting those things. You make sure of those things that they happen in the practice and uh, you take it all the way back to the end zone, which they've done. It was fun, too, to watch because I think it was Cashman who got the block. He needed it uh, on the uh, he picked it off and then immediately you could see guys knowing what to do form a wall i mean it's you know most teams try to do that but you got the block and off he went uh, that just shows the how of our football team that's what i love to see they are playing so hard and I hope when everybody watches our team, they're inspired by how hard our players play. Uh, you know, if, if we expect to, you know, to go, you know, 48-0 uh, in four years here, that's high expectations. I get it. I want to do that just like everybody else. But what I want everybody to watch, especially in year what I call year zero of a brand new culture that's not building off of something else. It's a completely different, in case you didn't all know that, a completely different culture, right, wrong, or different, just big time different that uh, we're able to see the difference in how our players play, and that should inspire everybody. And if it doesn't, I make sure our players know that.
you talked on offense about looking for playmakers. Uh, Tyler Johnson's been your number one receiver. How important is it as the season you know gets into the meat of your Big Ten schedule to find another go-to guy? Can he be developed? I mean, you're looking at guys challenging him week in, week out to help Connor Rhoda and that offensive line and kind of find someone else who can make plays on the wide receiving. Yeah, position. we have to have other players step in. We have to, and you know that it's it's it's. It's a double-edged sword, too, because there's a lot. We have three freshmen that are playing for us at wideout that are going to have to step in, step up. Uh, last year, they were in high school or they were redshirted. Mm -hmm. Then you have Tyler Johnson, who's really our number one guy, and he's only a sophomore, and he's never started. He's doubled his output from right. last year, right, right? Uh, in three games. So he did it in two games. But when you start talking about the players we have, we have to have other people to step in. You know, uh, the Rashad Stills have to be able to step up. You know, these freshmen have to step up. The Philip Howards of the world have to step up. Eric Carter is a really reliable guy. We have to find ways to give, be able to create uh, some plays for him and to give him the ball as well. So, uh, again, it's not just one dominating guy, but we need other people to step up. We'll take another break. We'll come back. We'll get to your Twitter questions. You can hashtag them, go for radio. Stay with us. It's Minnesota and Maryland coming up on Saturday, 11 o'clock, the kickoff at TCF Bank Stadium. This is Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck from Learfield. From the... Welcome back. It's Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck. We're at Sensors in Roseville. We want to remind you at this Saturday's game against Maryland, Gopher Athletics in conjunction with Thrivent Financial will be hosting a food drive to feed families in need for this coming Thanksgiving. Volunteers will be stationed outside each gate to collect non-perishable Thanksgiving food items. So think stuffing, canned vegetables, gravy, potatoes, and to help families in need this Thanksgiving, our thanks to Thrivent Financial and the food drive for Gopher Athletics. We'll get to some Twitter questions here momentarily. We had talked uh, in depth a little bit about the Gophers. Uh, we know a little bit more now from this morning on the Maryland quarterback situation. Their number two quarterback, Hill, who had played well uh, toward his ACL. That came just a game and a half after their number one quarterback toward his ACL. So now they're with number three. The other interesting thing is they do have a number four guy who transferred from North Carolina who they thought might contend for a job. And it sounds like maybe he's getting some reps. I don't know. How do you try to prepare for those things when you're not really sure you just prepare like <laughs> you have no idea to be honest with you uh, you're preparing for ghosts we call it ghosts you know I mean so what you have to do is look they still only have a few hours like everybody else in the NCAA is allowed on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and Friday to prepare so for somebody just to be able to completely change a scheme and get outside their form they're not going to do that um, you know and they're not coming off a bye week but what they're going to do is give their self the best chance to win with whoever is able to do that. And we know they have four playmakers besides their quarterbacks that they're going to find a way to get the ball in their hands. And uh, that's what you have to be ready for. Because uh, your depth is limited, as you've said in many positions, has it changed you? Have you changed the way you've practiced at all from other situations, other schools? Because you, you don't want to get people hurt in practice. You have to accomplish what you need to accomplish with hitting. How much hitting do you do at practice leading up to uh, game time? None. We don't do any during practice. Zero. Yeah, at training camp we do. Other than that, we don't. I mean, now we thud, right? But we don't bring people to the ground, anybody, you know? And that's one thing to be able to keep people healthy. We've done that for the last four years if I've been a head football coach. And we've seen the injuries go way down, right? And and the health of our team go way up. My, my job is to make sure they are healthy, fast, fresh on Saturday. Now, 
we you've been to our practices. I mean, it's organized chaos for an hour and 15 minutes. And our practices are very difficult. I mean, you get an hour and 15 minutes uh, to, to grind them and to work. But it really, if you see, if we didn't go that fast, it'd take about two hours to get that work in. So you're doing double the time in a short amount of time and double the work in a short amount of time. So that helps with our conditioning. And, uh, you know, you do everything you can to keep up a health. You're not able to avoid a lot of the big, big injuries, but you can take away some of those hurt things. And I want them feeling really good on game day. And I don't want them feeling good on Sunday. You know, I want them feeling beat up like they just got through a game. And then we'll help heal them as they go you mentioned that you don't do live tackling once the season starts per se um and i thought there was a stretch in in football maybe 10 years ago where tackling was maybe at its all-time worst like like missed tackles all over the place i think it's gotten better and the irony is there's less tackling probably now than ever before in practice live tackling i'm talking in practices all over but yet i think the tackling's become better how do you make your guys tackle well without practicing an actual live tackling in yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we do less tackling, but way more tackling drills, mm -hmm. right? Uh, if you come to our practice, the first five minutes of practice is dedicated to form tackling. Uh, we have a tackling circuit. So there's a bite the ball, we call it, which is a head-on tackle where your face mask is going to hit that ball, right? Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tackle really in front of you. Uh, we have what we call a wrap and roll. If I'm going to tackle you from the side, I wrap you up, wrap, wrap you up, and then I roll and to spin to kind of get your legs caught up in my arms. And then we have a sweep the ankle tackle, which if I'm running and you're in front of me and I'm behind, the last line of defense is for me to dive, take my hand, swipe your ankle into the other ankle and trip you up. So, but it's all about teaching uh, the game from the ground up how to tackle. Sometimes when we didn't do all these things and there weren't a lot of rules in tackling and there weren't all these concussion, uh, you know, the information we have on concussions, you just kind of tackled the way you wanted to tackle. You taught them and you tackled. Uh, now you have to step back and the progression of tackling is what you really highlight. And, and then when you go out to, to the games, it, it transforms into the game. How much value do you place on film work with your players in, in developing uh, not just what their assignments are, but you know, expanding their football IQ when they have to understand their assignments in the heat of the moment? Well, it's, it's the majority of what we do with them. You know, we break a team meeting uh, for 20 minutes every day. Once we break that, we have about an hour and 15-minute meeting with them, and then we're out to practice. Uh, but the big thing for us is when we're in the, the team meeting, 15 minutes have nothing to do with football. It's all about life development. It's all about person development. It's all about the academic, athletic, social, spiritual life, how we can grow in that. But then I also show them how most games are lost, not won. Go back to the Kentucky-Florida game. I mean, Kentucky hasn't beat Florida for 30 years. There's an uncovered wide receiver on the last play after a timeout. Yep. Right, And that game was more lost than won. Right. So it's my job to show why the ball is important, showing the Michigan State game. Right. And showing that what that it was 14 to seven or 21 to seven. And they recover the ball in the end zone. Right. The ball gets knocked right before he hits the goal line, goes in the end zone. The running back falls on it. But we call it catch tip tuck squeeze. Now, all of a sudden, Notre Dame falls on it because he didn't properly secure it. And now it's 21 to seven ends up being 28 to seven instead of 21 14. So it's my job to show how most games are lost rather than how most games are won. How are most games won? The ball.
And that's what we continue to pound home to our players and bring that type of um, we bring that 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 type of uh, uh, value to our players and and really that proof to them every single day. You can show them the Chicago Bears running back who got uh, the oh. ball knocked out from the we, one we yard line. We showed him that on Sunday. Did you really? We showed him that on that's, Sunday. That's right. He used to he used to play for us at Rutgers. Oh, no kidding. Yep. So I know him very well. And um, uh, there's there you go. <laughs> That's all you got to say. You weren't coaching that part of it, right? I, the ball was not the program at that point. We, we, we talked a couple, maybe last show or the show before about the ball being the program, and I always think it's, it, it, it's kind of fun to dive a little deeper into that. Uh, when we talked last time, we talked about how your guys uh, won't set the ball on the ground. Running backs will pick it up. They'll get up with it. They'll hand it to the official. If you pick it, pick a ball off, uh, you'll carry that to the sideline, give it to the equipment guy or to the official or what have you. Um, I also think it, it it's interesting to watch. You guys actually do have a practice setup where you practice practice picking up rolling footballs you practice picking up tip balls you practice picking off tip balls i mean there's a bunch of different stations i forget what you act is it the ball whatever you call those drills but the program a, it's the called program. The program yeah. yeah take us through just a few things that you work on there oh boy that's a long answer <laughs> um but i will say this is that the ball is the program and ball is the number one stat in football if you win the turnover margin your chances of winning are 80 some percent it's through the roof right so uh, we have to be able to prepare our players for that and we have to show them proof of how that happens then prepare in practice for that so we have a tons of stations defense and offense five minute period and we work on literally uh, surrounding the ball we have what we call city and country city is we're going to jump on it catch it on the ground tip tuck squeeze cover the points pull into our knees close our eyes really squeeze our cheeks together to make sure there's a lot of weird things that go down on a pile to make sure nobody gets that ball loose right and that's called city like skyscrapers so you have to jump on it if it's country country means wide open spaces there's nobody left between you and the end zone we scoop and score and go so we do all these drills from quarterbacks to wideouts to defensive backs to linemen they have to kind of like remember the remember the show double dare oh sure and you had to find the flag yeah. yes. and the nose <laughs> right, right and all the booger you had to pull that out or you had to find it the slime yeah they have a bunch of pads that cover a ball and they pass set and then they have we say ball and they have to turn around and jump into the pile of bags to find this little football and all these pads but again it's it's to promote and to be able to put proof behind the ball is the program so that's one thing we've always done continue to do and will always do and i have a lot of respect for the game uh I, i'm not into the showboat part of it i'm not and uh i'm i might be the second youngest coach in the country um uh, the, the youngest for the last four years uh but i have a lot of old school values about this foot about this game and handing the ball to the official is important to me you know respecting that ball and respecting people who played it before you matters to me and that's just the belief I want our players to have. One of the uh, drills I noticed, too, that you didn't hit on, but I want to ask you about is you, you actually practice, have your guys practice tapping a ball to keep it in bounds. <laughs> yeah, we the do. Coach rolling it along the sideline, mm -hmm. and it might be a, might come up once in 10 years, right, or twice in a year or whatever, but you want to practice, you know, hey, we need to keep it in play. I can't recover it. Maybe yeah. somebody else can. Yeah, so our coach rolls it on the sideline, and then the, the, the player on the sideline has to run full two speed or two steps full speed and then tap the ball back in to another player who scoops and scores where it bites you in the butt <laughs> and you find out a lot about what you're teaching last year when i was at western michigan we played northwestern and this has never come up we've never done this in four years but there was a ball fumbled into the end zone on the sideline if the ball goes out of bounds this is the last play of the game right and if obviously if the ball goes out it's a touchback game's over we win 
We have a freshman safety <laughs> that sees the ball going out of bounds. Northwestern fumbled it into the end zone. It's a touchback. Here we go. We win. He dives out of bounds and taps the ball back in. Oh, my. In the end zone. Northwestern recovers it for a touchdown. However, it was our guy's foot was on the ground as he touched the football. But you talk about a coach called overcoaching. <laughs> <laughs> and I never thought of it would ever happen to right, me. Right. So, so this year in training camp, we went through normal field, you tap it back. When you actually get in the end zone, you never tap right. a ball back in place. Unless so. it's your end zone and you need right, to right. touch down. Yeah. Correct. That's so there you go. There's a quick story about for that. You, you just had it so instinctive that they wanted to tap it in there. The that's what he told me. Goes, Coach, we're supposed to tap it back in. And I sat there and go, hey, Sure, okay, idiot. To myself. <laughs> you, you missed one coaching point. If it ever happens to go in the end zone, let it go. Uh, All right, well, details. we'll wrap up the show. Stay always with learning, us. Right? Yeah, for sure. That, that, that's part of uh, what is fun about finding more about the game. You always learn something. It's Go for Football Weekly with PJ Fleck from Learfield. Get ready for game day with a four day sale at your neighborhood. Welcome back. It's Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck, Mike Grimm, along with Mark Rosen. And it's our final segment of the show. I want to remind you, it's Minnesota and Maryland coming up Saturday. 11 o'clock is the kickoff. We take air on the network at 10 here locally on our flagship at 9. I want to thank Mike Tackett. He's our producer here on the Gopher Radio Network and on site here at Joe Sensors in Roseville. We have Dan Robotham, our engineer. Mark Rosen scared us all to death during the commercial break. We had a guy wanting to get a picture, and he fell off the stage, but he's okay. You know, I, uh, PJ got me right back up on my feet. I just, you got you to play hurt. Talking about injuries and death, and we thought we might be one down up here on the stage. He's just banged up. He's just banged up. Just he's not banged injured. Up. I'm day-to-day. -day. Yeah. <laughs> well, Are we all? Yes. There we go. Would you be doubtful or questionable? I would be... <laughs> <laughs> All the above, PJ. Okay. You have to hold the mic with your left hand. That's right. <laughs> the fumble drill. <laughs> we uh, yeah, tap it, tap it back inbounds. Make sure it's inbounds. We have a couple of Twitter questions. One uh, from Brad. He wants to know. Uh, he said, Coach Fleck talked about unifying Minnesota sports teams. You talked about you know Twins fans cheering for Gophers and Gophers cheering for Wild and all of that. Uh, do you have a plan to try to do that amongst fans to try to get people involved? Yeah, absolutely. Get to as many as I possibly can. Connect with the head football coaches. Connect uh, with other coaches. Connect with players on those teams uh, and do everything we can to be able to get people to our games, get them on our sideline, uh, get to know our culture, get to know our experience. Uh, I've talked to a lot of the organizations of those teams. Not, I've been in terms of I've been in touch with a lot of their teams in terms of going in locker rooms, but talking in terms of their organizations, I've done that as well. So it's, it's going to take a while. It doesn't happen overnight, but that's kind of the plan as we continue to go. I have a uh, Twitter question. Charlie wants to know if I can get Coach Fleck to get my kids excited about doing chores. <laughs> wow. Well, I got four kids, and they uh, all you, do you chores. You can speak from experience now. Oh, yeah. absolutely. We have what we call the chore chart. A chore chart. Chore chart. Okay. So they get, and now we're, we're, we're cheapskates, okay, as parents, okay? They get a quarter, a quarter. In today's day and age, a quarter, okay? That doesn't get you anything in no, the world. No, But we teach them about saving. You get a quarter for every star. But you, each kid has what they're really good at, which they actually like doing, right? Because, like, our nine-year-old son loves to make his bed. And he makes it perfect, like military-making bed. My seven-year-old son, I mean, he make his bed. He thinks he just throws things on his bed and says it's good. So we do things they do well and things they don't do well. And they're all different, 
right? Uh, but it's amazing to watch them compete against each other. And eventually they're sitting there going, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, can I take the trash out tonight? Can I be the one that takes the trash? You trick them. <laughs> the key to raising children, you just trick them. It's so true. You know, it's very it's, true. You get a star for every chore that they do. Yeah. And they have to have at least four, char four stars per day. So that's $4 per day that we pay. We pay our children, which don't tell the, the state that because I'm sure that's below minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> and they know my salary. So Correct. Now I Correct. Have, you they know, make them after you. Yeah, exactly. You know? Very, very cheap help. No doubt about it. Uh, big you want my kids to come to your house. They're, they're, they <laughs> yeah. cost a quarter per chore. I might, I might uh, do that. I might see if they want to come over. I, I do need my lawn mowed. That would be uh, that got to do with Harper's attitude, though. That, that, you might want the quarter back after that. Uh, there were a couple of Big Ten games earlier. Earlier in the season, I know Indiana played Ohio State, but for the most part, conference play in general uh, did get underway some last week. A couple of interesting games. Um, did you did you get a chance to watch any uh, Big Ten football, uh, or did you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I watched a little bit. I got I got a chance to watch some night games. You know, once the kids went to bed, because uh, what we did the whole day Saturday, we were Mall of America. We were the new uh, Ninjago Lego Movie. Uh, we went out to dinner. Uh, I can't even remember where we went. The Rainforest Cafe. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. so. You know, we spent the whole day with the kids, uh, didn't Great. even talk about football. Uh, I did check my scores, and right? I always love checking scores. <laughs> I'm like a fan like everybody I'm else. I'm glad you still football. do that. That's I do that point. all the time. But we did get a chance to watch the Penn State game and uh, the Iowa game, and that was special. Uh, we have a lot of friends. James Franklin and I are very close. Uh, and just to watch that quarterback. Now, I, I think it was said that, you know, he won four state championships. Mm -hmm. that, Trace McSorley. Trace yeah. McSorley, four of those as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. And there's fourth down with the last play of the game. The guy you want to have the ball is Trace. And the guy's won four straight, you know, state titles. And he just put that thing right in there, no pressure, and just bang. And that was it. I mean, it was an amazing game. And uh, I know I don't give, you know, we have rivals in here, but I think it was really cool also to see the tradition that Iowa has now in terms of waving to the children's hospital. Isn't that something? You talk about first yeah, class. Yeah, you know? That's hospital. what I love about the Big Ten. We yeah, can have yeah. all these rivalries. We can hate each other in different days, you know. But when at the end of the day, the Big Ten's for all the right things. And I think Iowa's tradition shows that, and I wanted to make sure I said that. You mentioned the Big Ten, and I'm going to throw this one at you because we only have a minute or two left because it does relate to player safety and such. I don't know if you saw Jim Harbaugh's comments yesterday about facilities and how uh, opposing players, he had an injured player that had to be carted in a van five blocks away or something, and he didn't like the locker rooms, and they are pretty antiquated at Purdue and at some other places. Do you think the Big Ten has to do something to make sure there's a minimum standard of, of opposing locker rooms and opposing health care and those kind of things? Yeah. I think the days of having that to be the advantage over the other opponent, I think those days are kind of becoming over. It's not the 1960s, 70s, and 80s anymore where that was the advantage. Um, now, I'm not saying you, you change all that, but when it does become down to player safety and players being able to be viewed by the public when they're changing, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know all the places, but I do know this. Minnesota has the nicest of all the Big yes. Ten. I promise you that. Uh, we will always treat our opponents first class in everything we do as they come over here to give them all the needs they have for their student-athletes to be the best they possibly can be. And all I can do is really control us, uh, but also be aware of it as you go on the road and also prepare for those things. You know, we can bring air conditioners. We can bring different, you know, screens. You can do all those things. And we have in the past at Western Michigan knowing places we were going. Very good, Coach. We'll see you on Saturday, Minnesota and Maryland. And uh, hopefully a week from now, we're talking about a 4-0 Golden Gopher football team. Or 1-0 or in the Maryland season, as we yes. like to say. How's there you that? go. Sounds good. We'll, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll do it just that way. 11 o'clock to kickoff. We take air at 10 locally here at 9 for Mark Rosen and P.J. Fleck. I'm Mike Grimm. This has been Golden Gopher Football Weekly with P.J. Fleck from Learfield.
ESPN's Neil Everett here. This